Today on Talk About That, I climb the corporate ladder to an easier but still minimum wage job, while John reads his own writing into an expensive microphone and forgets how to pronounce things. Also, a conversation on the subtle difference between coaching and manipulation. Today's episode is not sponsored by lunch, one of the seven most important meals of the day. Let's get into it. It's another Monday, another episode of Talk About That. I'm John, this is Johnny. Hey guys. And I was just railing right before I pushed record. It was like literally, I was. I can't tell you guys what it was about. You're intense. It was a very like, we'll do it live kind of a moment. It was a very, hello <laughs> Riley, we'll do it live. And I pushed record. And uh, Yeah, I don't, I feel traumatized. <laughs> <laughs> You'll never know some of the things we talk about before we talk about that. You know, I'll remind you, Johnny, that the whole premise of we the show... Should, our patrons should get, like, a pre-show. They should get a peek know, I inside. Feel, I feel like we'd lose all the our patrons. twisted minds. Because <laughs> sometimes we'll say things right leading up to it and be like, well, we're not talking about that today. <laughs> <laughs> but they need to know. They should know those things. Yeah. We'll find out who really wants to be on the inside track. Yeah. You know, it's one of those things we we always talk about, like... If you're going to be yourself, you have to be uh, okay with the fact that the world might not like you. It's tough. Like that made it that, that made it what the world wants. I so, still don't know that I've 100% accepted that. It's hard. Authenticity yeah. may not produce, you know, notoriety. I still in the back of like I know I can say it and go, well, everybody's not going to like you. But in the back of my mind, I'm like, I bet I can get them. <laughs> like I think I'm the one that can like I bet I can make everybody yeah it's I give them all what they want come on I lived under the assumption for years that I could communicate well enough to change people's minds about things yeah and when that I it's like you just said I know that's not true now yeah but I still live in like the residual motion like I'm in this perpetual motion of energy of yeah, still believing that though I don't believe it. Like it's always right. a constant. Oh, just give me. I, I think can, can communicate. I think you can change some people's minds, and it's worth trying. But yeah, the idea that you can change everybody. There was a comic that talked about that. I can't remember who it was, but he was basically saying like, if you were to explain our civilization to an alien culture, and they and you started saying like who, but who brought everybody together? And you were like, okay, well, there's Martin Luther King and Jesus. Oh, that's awesome. What happened to them? Um, like it would be like a long pause. Like we killed both of them. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so it's like, I mean, Martin Luther King was one of the most unpopular people at the time of his death. Like yeah. it's easy to forget that now. You see yeah. him being like, you see even people who have like racist tendencies bandying his quotes about on their mm-hmm. Facebook pages, and you're going, this person doesn't even. Yeah. This person hates immigrants and like talks all the time about how like, you know, brown people are responsible for everything that's wrong with the country, and yet they're like. One day, I have a dream, and you're like, all right, dude. Well, yeah, they use – you can easily twist Martin Luther King's quotes right. into a colorblind passivity right. a cherry bit. pick, yeah. If, yeah. if you take it out of context. Well, and, and you, obviously we've seen that all our life with the Bible where people cherry pick scriptures to, yeah. to suit a weird, toxic ideology. What I was going to say when we first started, though, about um, um, being ourselves and offering it to patrons is – I don't know if you know this, but when I worked for a movie theater – because that was my first job, my first real job, working in a movie theater – and then I worked there for a little while, and I got I took a job upstairs because a guy went off to college. Did I tell this story? I don't think so. So I learned to do the projection um, early. I was, you know, you, they start you off in concessions. You're bagging popcorn. It's a mess. It's awful. It's very like grunt work. Yeah. And you're making minimum wage, and you make minimum wage upstairs too. But you start the movies. You thread the movies through the projector. You start them, and then you have like just two hours of nothing. 
Wow. You sit in the chair and spin around. It's amazing. I had my I brought what? my acoustic in. Would you have awesome. to stay up there in case something goes wrong? No. There's <laughs> alarms. There's alarms that go off. So you have to kind of stay around, keep your head on a swivel. So the manager just lets you stay up there. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Or go sit in a movie wow. sometimes. And go, go hang out down at concessions and flirt, with, job flirt right with my uh, then-girlfriend and future wife. <laughs> but anyway, um, so I, what happened was about three months into doing concessions, I realized it wasn't even that long. One of the guys is getting ready to go off to school at Tennessee Tech, mm-hmm. and he's the projectionist. And the management's kind of panicking. They're like, what are we going to do when David leaves? Well, I started staying after work and learning the projectors. Mm. And that's how I got the job. So whenever it came time for, like, oh, we got to hire somebody that knows how to do this. It's going to take us weeks to train somebody. And I go, I know how to do it. And they go, All right, you're hired. Wow. And so they move me upstairs. So I'm still making like four fifty or whatever. <laughs> but now I've got all this freedom. It was amazing. So all that said, when you're a projectionist, you put them together. You put the movies together, and you choose what trailers to go on. They're really? like individual little films. I didn't know that. They come look like little films. It looked like what your home movies look like. Yeah. And they're stacked up on this little shelf. And sometimes the it got, it's got more strict now. Of course, now it's all digital. There's, right. not, there's no film, except for like an old theater. But back then, you'd start getting like Disney films would be like, only put Disney, put these five Disney movies in front of, you know, The Lion King. Right. Because we want to promote our product. But used to, you could just pick. Like, you wouldn't put like a horror movie in front of a cartoon <laughs> or whatever. You'd, have, you'd show some rationale. But anyway... Every now and again, you know, every trailer is a green band, right? So right. the green band trailer is the green preview screen. All audiences. This preview is approved for – and I never noticed it before. When I was watching movies, I just thought every trailer was – had that screen. But it's not true. There is a red band trailer. And you only put it on, like, R-rated movies. Huh. And it, they're very rare. Or they were. I don't know how many R, uh, red band trailers there are anymore. But basically, it's like a – all bets are off kind of trailer. So it's a trailer for an R-rated movie or an NC-17 movie sometimes, which those don't hardly ever exist anymore. But it's like there's cursing. There's even nudity in some of these trailers. And they could go in front of only an R-rated movie. So every now and again, somebody would make a mistake and put a red band trailer on. <laughs> like, a, And you'd be like, nope, that guy's fired. Wow. Those children are traumatized. Wow. But we could be the red band trailer is what I guess I'm saying. Okay, I was waiting for the connection. We need, no. We need to show our true repellent selves <laughs> to these people. I don't know. I mean, authenticity may be overrated a skosh in terms of what people are using it for. You know, we preach authenticity a lot here for community, but the idea is to be known so you can be loved despite your brokenness as opposed to, I think the world loves the buzzword of authenticity. Right. As if... Because if everyone knew you, they'll love you. And it's like, that's not necessarily true. Or that you don't need to change at all. Like, right. if you have to change, then someone's got a problem. that That's their problem. It's like, no, you could have really toxic traits that need right. to be changed. Yeah, both. You need a community to tell you, like, man, I love you, but you're killing me with this. Yeah. You know? yeah. And if you can't be in community with somebody that, that can say that, be it Christian or otherwise, yeah. that's not good. Yeah, if you have, if you never have, what what is that? Is it a proverb or a aphorism of culture i'm not sure but you know the beware when everyone speaks well of you yeah like if you never have anyone who ever says dude you know no then that's you're you're maybe missing yeah a a key component of life by which you grow 
So, because we do, we remove all of the things. I was thinking about that. I was praying for Sadie the other day, and I had this realization. And parents, maybe you could you could feel this, but like I had this moment where everything I had prayed for is basically to remove trouble. Yeah. From Sadie's life. <laughs> right. Give her an easier path. Like I'm going, you know, and there were some super specific things, you know. And so I really had kind of this moment like, oh, okay, that's probably not the best. But who prays trouble over their kid? You know what I'm right. saying? Like you're not going to go, God, bring, I just, yeah, Lord. Bring the obstacle that will cause her. I'm asking you to let there be a glacier in front of her by which she has Lord. to climb over or go through. Let it be so difficult that she comes out the other side stronger. And it's like, you know. An iceberg that would tear out of the tear of the hull of her <laughs> spiritual what have you. <laughs> Let it leak gently over time until eventually she's going down in flames and you come to the rescue. I don't know if a ship goes down in flames if it hits an iceberg. Uh, the metaphors got. There fires? I don't know. <laughs> but it was kind of a like, we're not okay. seafaring people. Like there is a, yeah, we're not, yeah. Uh, but no, I agree. You know, I know what you're saying. Like if you. Pray against obstacles. Sometimes, like you need obstacles because you overcoming those creates these character traits. Or you know, right. like we've talked about that before. You get book deadlines, and it gives you this. Well, I know if I do that, it means I have to write seven hours a day for this many days. Yeah, or I will not make it. And the fear of that deadline makes you create. Yeah. And so, if that wasn't there, you, they just said, "Hey, wouldn't it be cool if we had a book about this?" You'd be like. Yeah, I guess it would. And then it would just never happen. <laughs> yeah. But if somebody says, here's a deposit, it has to be out by June 5th, yeah. go, now it's on. And that's an obstacle. And I've had some projects lately yeah. that don't have definitive deadlines because they're, they're, they're not in traditional publishing. Yeah. And it really is. Like, you can look up and it's been two years. I have a project I've written, and it's been two years. And it's not come to publication yet. But it's like, I think it just now finally went into a process. But you're right. Like, without someone going, but there's pressure to get to publication. Yeah. You have to do more work. But I don't know. I, I think what I'm praying is, is you know, one of the things I used to pray uh, church-wise, and I started praying this again the other day, is that, God, I'm asking you, because delays really drive me crazy. Like, de- feeling like we're behind. And COVID has not helped with that, Johnny. You were just yeah. saying off off the air. Like, you know, two weeks feels like three months. It really does. Like this year feels so long because you're waiting for the next piece of information. You're waiting for how things are going to go. I mean, pastoring as a church that like, you know, had mask mandates and other things that we try to do to, to prefer one another. Right. Like, dude, starting back in or watching those things and it's, it's like super difficult i know there's a lot i'm not judging i know there's a lot of places that they're like hey we're not doing that we're yeah. not going to worry about this and this is but we are a place that are trying to be mindful of this yeah but that time takes so long so the thing i pray is god would you remove all delays that aren't yours because mm-hmm. i do believe god allows delays but i'm just like hey so because if i were asking to remove all delays then i'm removing his as well so i'm like hey Every delay that's not a divine delay, which divine delay sounds like a... It's a book. That's a... Divine delay. Divine delays. <clears throat> it sounds it's almost art, French, doesn't it? Down, yeah. It sounds like... Art, we, art vandalism. Art vandalism is exactly <laughs> what I was thinking. <laughs> George Costanza's alter ego. <laughs> and so, I don't know. It's just one of those... Yeah, I know I need some trouble, uh-huh. but I also don't want to ask for it. Like, good, you need good trouble. 
That's mm. Mm. that will preach. I know it's just nerding me out. Stephen Curtis Chapman had a song oh my called "Bring It On." Bring it on. Bring it. <laughs> Bring it on. Sorry, I'm a little tired this morning. I actually got up early and ran this morning, so I'm what? Uh, a little tired. Um, yeah. No, he had a song called Bring It On. It was about that. Like, it, I've, Christian artists will write those songs every once in a while. That's a mm-hmm. real, you know, God's going to be with me no matter what. Yeah. So you're just kind of to the enemy. You bring whatever you got, you know. Yeah. And I'm just like, yeah, I'm not. Right. I don't know if I want. Like, I get the sentiment <laughs> of it, but. <laughs> yeah, my buddy Renard Hirsch, uh, comedian, has a bit about that, about how, like, Worship. He was at a church and the worship leader started talking crazy. He's like, he's like, our God is an awesome God. He re- all right, let's make the devil real mad with this one. He's like, oh, uh, I'd rather not. <laughs> devil destroyed a lot of people's lives. <laughs> I'd rather the devil go on not knowing I exist. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, I don't, I don't. I'm not looking for a beacon. Uh, yeah, yeah. So. No do, you, do you buy into the whole idea of, because I, 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 I'm, I'm not going to answer the question for, yeah, oh. I want to hear what you say. Oh, no. For real. But do you buy into the whole idea? It's a real Christian culture thing of when life is like falling apart, someone says to you, man, you must be doing something right. No. I mean, the devil must be really, I mean, this is. Right. He, He's fighting because the victory's right around the corner you were doing something significant he's super trying to stop you so you don't mind that at all well i don't know if i I think it's too broad a brush because when did you stop believing in jesus that's the i'm sorry it could be (laughs) it could be anything like you could like to say everything happens for a reason is true but sometimes the reason is you're stupid and you make bad choices (laughs) you know I almost always assume that's the reason. I have trouble now. I've gone so far the other way on on the pendulum swing that I'm almost like I rarely assume that the enemy is doing this. I'm always looking for the fault in myself. Yeah. And I don't know if that's right either. Right. That's kind of another. Yeah. It's It's just like reverse narcissism in some ways, too. Right. That you're in control. Yeah. But uh, this idea that uh we're on the verge of a breakthrough constantly if we're being under attack like you see it in the early church obviously because they were being under attack um but i don't know I, yeah it's hard to know because there's just <laughs> we do dumb stuff and face consequences for those dumb things and sometimes you're you're on the wrong path and that's why you're facing opposition and so if you can make yourself this martyr of like, well, I must be doing something right. Like, imagine how many wrong things have been yeah. done in history because people thought, well, look, we're facing opposition. <laughs> this must mean. Well, in many ways, the current culture absolutely believes that to AT. Yeah. That the opposition is indicative of a noble cause. Right. I think that's what I get scared of. Like, well, maybe this opposition I don't know. Nobody I, wants to think they're that, though. Nobody wants to think. It's like that famous meme that's going around now where it's from a superhero movie where the guy goes, wait a minute, are we the baddies? <laughs> like, they're realizing they're the bad guys. Right. Like, nobody wants to have that moment yeah. where you're in traffic. Like, we talked about being in traffic and everybody's being an idiot in traffic. And then suddenly you almost merge into somebody and you realize, I'm the idiot now. Like, it's the it's a very, like, soul-shaking moment. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, I yelled at a guy. That, I told you. I yelled at a guy at a four-way stop. For yeah. not using his blinker. I was just like, hey, would you put a blinker on there, biggin' or whatever. I mean, it wasn't like yelling, you know. And I re- <laughs> Mr. Mazda doesn't need to signal. <laughs> and then I realized 
I didn't have my blinker on. I was turning yeah. as well. Mm. So it was a there was a blinker log in my eye. You need to <laughs> wait a minute. But I, I just don't know. I had a a like truly like a Calvinist friend the other day. He goes, "Look, like I'm as Presbyterian as they come." Now I'm going to tell you something. So it takes a lot for me to say this, but yeah. I think what I'm experiencing is like spiritual warfare. <laughs> like he, yeah. he was like, "There's no other explanation yeah. for the number of things that's making this so hard." Right. You know, and that there was a a, a, a common goal and a, a work towards something that was ministry based. You know, so I don't know. I, I I I think it's both and. I don't know. Yeah, but I I don't. I, we just grew up in a place where everything was warfare. Uh huh. So, I mean, not in my house as much, but I'm talking in the culture. Um, I mean, weeks, you know, it, it was just a very, if as a pastor, I mean, it could be such an easy excuse. Like, I just assume, this is true. I just assume, and I tell people this as well, I just don't think I'm that good at pastoring. Like, I mean, that, that's okay. Yeah. I'm not, there's no, people think that I'm fishing. They're like, oh, no, you're not. not no, I, like, and I'm not being down on myself. I'm still doing it. Yeah. I just think I have to keep growing in it. Or maybe God just wants me to be not that good at it. I don't know. There's some things only he could add. But, yeah. you know, am I going to love people well? And did I preach a gospel that elevated, you know, God's grace above our works in a way that set people for, I mean, I can't really control what happens with it after that. Um, well, and another thing that's confusing is people who will say they believe in a theology that God is in control of all things, and then they also politically believe that they have to act now to save democracy, the world at large, yeah. et cetera. Yeah. You know, those two things don't really coalesce to me. Yeah. You know, and I'm not talking about just voting. Like, I'm right. not saying, like, let's not vote because it doesn't matter because God controls all things. Should vote your conscience, whatever. But this idea that like I've got to be on the front lines of this thing or it will implode. And it'll oh, be yeah. it'll be our fault if we let it happen. The the what is it, the the tree of freedom must be refreshed with the blood of patriots or whatever the heck we say. Yeah. It's like we just we conjure up these images that like it's a constant onslaught of anti democracy and we have to hold it together. And yet we come to church every Sunday and go, God's in control, you guys. And we're like, I don't think we really believe that. Yeah. We, we also believe this other thing. Yeah. And, and so, by the way, that quote is Thomas Jefferson. Yeah. And he was not well loved in his day by the opposition to him, mm -hmm. which would be the Federalists, because the man who said that never actually fought in a war. Oh wow! And yeah. most of the Federalists did. <laughs> so Alexander Hamilton, <laughs> who you know was a high-ranking officer. Alexander and, Hamilton. <laughs> sorry, you sorry, can't I say can't Alexander Hamilton moment. without singing it. God, I sing it so much. I mean, but that the point is, is he was so it was a radical viewpoint. And you're right; we have these radical viewpoints that actually diverge from mm -hmm. our theological viewpoints, and we don't. It's that what we believe and what we say we believe. Right. And when those converge in the public square, it's like you get away with it here. Yeah. Where more more than you would. You get away with that in America, especially in the deep south. You would get away with those weird cognitive dissonances that we all have. It's they don't they don't they're not as glaring for some reason here. You know? I don't know, man. I think throughout history, you know, you look at again, the Declaration of Independence or you know, saying that all men are created equal as you're enslaving men in a constitution that says they're three-fifths human. 
mm-hmm. when we believe we hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, among which are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. You literally just made a theological statement mm-hmm. in a legal document that you believe it's God's business to create men equal as you then in the as you continue through the document past the preamble you go on to state that men are not so right. like yeah the dissonance in that happened people did point it out abolitionists to others right but, all men are equal but some are more equal than others right and then right. the old uh, yeah. larry yeah. norman song yeah yep so it's like a it's like a weird it's like a weird i don't know they they did they did point it out but and again or gender equality same thing i mean i do love that part is it is it eliza that says it or is it angelica i think it's angelica and she says when i meet thomas jefferson i'm going to write women into the sequel oh yeah. that's how she rhymed with all men created equal yeah it's so good um but man we should just have a whole episode on, on hamilton <laughs> god i would love it um but it, it it's a yeah the dissonance is so key i think we have to look that you're you're on the nerve of the central thing that i write about the most or talk about the most right now and and that is that we're so opposition based that we do not hold our own selves let's just forget our tribes for a second and just say the right. goal of being a disciple today yeah. <laughs> is to hold myself or live myself within the stated parts of my faith and beliefs for me, or they're null and void for anyone else. Like there's such a hypocrisy or that's a wrong word. When you say hypocrisy, no one wants to listen because no one wants to be called anything. I'm not trying to call anybody anything. I'm saying like the whole point of all of it is that I would begin with me. Yeah. And if I don't begin with me, then I'm literally peddling a product. Right. You're selling Coke and drinking Pepsi. Yeah. Like it's crazy. It's, it's a crazy thought. And we just kind of think that's okay now to talk about, you know, the libs shouldn't be screaming and saying what they're doing. But if we're saying it as we're screaming, there's no dissonance there. It's like, well, I can't really control the libs. You know, like I can only control me in that respect. And then certainly call my tribe or people I'm going to live in this thing with to the stated values of our own beliefs. Let's just begin there. We can't move past that. It has to be there first. Man, anyway, wow. We, have, we did it. We solved it. <sighs> but, it's so, but we've said it, but it's it it gets lost. Like No, and I agree, and I even say, you know, to your point earlier about, like, how we need everybody to like us, That I think that's one of the issues that I have. And so, yeah, I'm, yeah you, it makes you not want to take a stand because you're like, all right, well, this I could tweet this, and this is going to make X, Y, Z, like, it just makes you want to just blend in almost. Yeah. You just go, Ugh. But yeah, holding each other accountable or holding ourselves accountable first for what we say we believe. And then if you say, well, maybe my belief has changed on this, then that's the scariest thing of all. Because then you got to be like, all right, well, what yeah. What else does that mean? What is? What are the consequences of that if I decide that, you know, whatever? Well, deconstruction, when it happens, is rarely happening outside of occupancy. Meaning that there's still life being lived. Yeah. If you're using that metaphor, that's what always again the metaphor, the big metaphor for church that that makes this so difficult. Everyone says you can't turn an aircraft carrier in five minutes. You know it takes time, and you know, 
And I wrote a book with a guy. Church is an aircraft carrier in that yeah, metaphor? Exactly. All right. Well, that's a, a business or an organization. Like, everyone wants to yeah. change their culture. You can't just change culture. Rome wasn't built in a day. You can't turn an aircraft carrier. So the guy went and asked a pilot, a Navy pilot, how long it really takes to yeah. turn an aircraft carrier. And it takes, like, in optimal conditions, five minutes. It really does. They can yeah. turn a whole thing, you know. I mean, it's a battleship. But I, I remember going back to that author and saying, look, I have one issue with this book. I love this metaphor. Mm-hmm. But as one who's trying to turn, quote unquote, the proverbial aircraft carrier of culture in church in my just my own tiny little flock, I can tell you this. The, a better metaphor would be we are a cruise ship at sea that we are now trying to convert into an aircraft carrier at sea while being fired upon by an enemy. Yeah. In a storm. Yeah. <laughs> and trying to retrain all the cruise passengers to be sailors now and soldiers. <laughs> yeah, it's like that scene in the A-Team when they're holed up in a warehouse and they have to make like a <laughs> something from all the stuff that's around them. <laughs> yeah. That's what's happening. Yeah. We're under attack and then the inspirational music starts playing. And, but and they at least had a warehouse montage. where no one knew where they were. That's like, true. Like we're still out. Like I'm trying to build that in in the open. Yeah. Like we're still getting shot at, you know, so – and you're also going somebody who's got a you know again I'm not dogging our people I am this person like I got on here thinking there's going to be buffets every night and now you're telling me I got to man this gun <laughs> you know yeah I mean metaphorically Johnny a metaphorical gun right a metaphorical buffet because he um, just lays it all out before he you. does lay it all out there for you <laughs> he comes to buffet you oh my goodness no that's a uh, that's a good that, there's your book right there how many times. I think almost every episode, if I wrote a book every time you said, there's your book, <laughs> I would have a lot of books. It'd be good. These would be like little books. <laughs> I don't do that very well. <laughs> did I tell you what I did? I didn't tell you what I did yes, yesterday Mm-mm. in church. You weren't here because you were sitting. I'm just kidding. Your wife wasn't feeling well, and I'm appreciating My wife you. has shingles. Oh, I didn't know if we were going to go public with that. Yeah. So. Well, it's not like it's a moral <laughs> failure. <laughs> Says the guy who had shingles like three months ago. Yeah, I'm glad to hear she's feeling better. Yeah, she's she's doing a lot better. I think they caught it early with the antivirals and what have you. That's good. That's good. Gels and potions and lotions and ointments. I don't know what they give you. <laughs> You're literally living with Sick. her and you, know, you don't know what they give her. Yeah. A, I'm not being paying good attention. Anyway, what did you do in church? So last week, Andrew, by the way, probably the, I, probably the best message I mean, this has been preached on that stage. Like, it was really, really good. Mm-hmm. He made a joke midway, because this is a common running joke around here. And he's like, so for the next 25 or 30 minutes, because I'm the one preaching today. Oh, right, right. You know, so how uh, we all turn to look at the teaching pastor and have a good laugh. Cause he's oh, so, because he's saying, I'm going to keep it succinct. Yeah. But John, if he were preaching, it would be, It'd be longer, 45 yeah. to an hour. So I just sat, I took it. I just sat there and, and I, you know, it was fine. It's, it's a good joke. I hear it often and it's valid. I yeah. can go long. It's fine. Uh-huh. I can handle that. Um, can and will go long. <laughs> and so I decided to do a little research after that message that I loved, yeah. which I don't care how long it was, truthfully. And I went into the YouTube channel and I looked and saw that uh, Andrew's message was 49 minutes. Oh, man. 49 and so after having said that after in the message, said that and then that message yeah went 49 minutes which was spectacular but so i may or may not have screenshot the oh, youtube you put image that up. 
Well, what I did was, is I may or may not have gone into Canva, um, <laughs> and I screenshot the end of the message, the little the little box that shows yeah. its time on the right. YouTube timeline, and then his start and time, and then I put a huge red arrow in there and wrote, uh-huh. I mean, it's so big, in like big white letters, 49 minutes between the start and the front with him standing there speaking. Yeah. And so it was one of those like reveals yeah. so i had his the, the 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 best part is his son was running media caleb oh, okay. for me i said caleb you cannot let your dad see this because yeah. i'm gonna do this because he's usually back there he comes back there and he comes back there and checks some things you know so i said but when i say the word retaliate i want you to fire this slide i'm not gonna act like i see it <laughs> yeah. so i was like guys this is the point in the message you know last week where andrew made a comment we all had a good laugh right you know, guys, and I don't want to retaliate. And as soon as you said that, like, boom, 49 minutes came up right behind uh-huh. me on the screen. And so and I just kept talking and talking. I was yeah. like, oh, oh well, Caleb, what are, what are you doing, man? Like, and I blamed it, like, on his son, you know. So Blame anyway, media, guys. it was a good laugh. And then, then I told her about it. it was the best message I've ever heard. So it was fine. He can go as long as he wants. But um, it's <laughs> a it's a... It's a common theme to your point about writing short books. Like, I don't know if I'm, I'm not a, I'm not a good short form. I'm reading a short book right now and it's spectacular. Um, I just mm. don't do that very well. So I'm working yeah. on it. People. Yeah. Just give me a, something bite-sized, Sean. Is it okay just to be who you are though? Like, what if I'm not that here's the CS Lewis was not a short book writer. Like, and he's, he was awesome. So. I'm saying you I'm just like C.S. Lewis. <laughs> <laughs> Why can't people just love me like they loved him? What's the big deal? Maybe I was born in the wrong uh, century. I you're don't gonna, know. You're going to try to put handcuffs on Bill Shakespeare? Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm writing prose over here. <laughs> I'm dropping gold nuggets. Wait. That's a... They're gold bars. They're too big. <laughs> Can't lift these. Could you make them nuggets? Yeah, please. I could take a nugget. That'd be great. Well, you know, all you got to do on a big on a bigger book is yeah. just read smaller pieces of it. Write it in chunks. You know, for but AD, it is written ADD in chunks. People. All you got to do is just read ten pages instead of twenty, and then tomorrow read ten more instead of twenty. Like, I understand why people can't pace themselves. Yeah, this is too long. Just, I'm excited about the audio book that you got going on right now. Oh yeah, I think I'll be able to do that. For sure. You mean you weren't going to read my book? I was going to read. I was going to read it, but because I'm excited about the, I'm excited about the racism book because of all the history and stuff yeah. and, and and the all the I know the work that you've done, but I, but I just think yeah, a, a audio book is like more my hey I'm I'm on a plane ride. Oh yeah, just pop it in, uh-huh. learn something. It was a it was an intense uh, experience. The recording it. Yeah. Okay. So you know you and I speak into a microphone every week mm-hmm. and. And I read. We're speaking in microphones right now, John. <laughs> we may or may not be doing it <laughs> right so. now. Are these on? These are dummy mics. <laughs> there is no podcast. This mic, you're in a room. I'd not, I've not actually done the recording before. It was kind of one of my bucket list things. Like, okay, this is going to be fun. And it was. It was fun. But, dude, it was. You got like a big iPad or what? He had a big it? iPad. Yeah. And had it all ready for you. And so we. So the audio book, this is a long book to call back the previous conversation yeah. it's about a seventy-eight thousand word book Good great so job. but it's it's a significant work you know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> again again with the c.s lewis um <laughs> i think it's significant it's a significant topic is all i'm saying and it quotes a lot of people yeah and that's the thing hey i'm writing a lot of other people's things you know and then applying them to where we are today in fact yeah. that's what we say up front in the intro like 
there's a lot of people doing this a lot more on this topic than us. And we hope by seeing what we're going to quote from them that you're going to go read their books after hours. Mm-hmm. And some people may go, I'm going to read their books now and just put ours down. I don't know. But, um, dude, this microphone, like, so since we've been on the air, I've yawned twice and I doubt everyone's heard it. Yeah. This microphone like was condenser so mic, it picks up everything. was so sensitive. Yeah, and the producer even said he goes, "Dude, people have no idea how yeah. loud their bodies really are until they get into this room." Right? Because when you come back from a lunch break, <laughs> yeah, you're like, yeah. "It's happening now." We just ate breakfast this morning. Like yeah. we're digesting, but these mics don't pick that up, dude. It was like mm-hmm. you couldn't you couldn't breathe. If my mouth was too dry at the end of a paragraph, yeah. And you, know, you have to fix that. <laughs> Your mouth was too wet. If you took a big breath, he's like, yeah. that's too long. And this guy was amazing. He'd punch you right in. You'd hear, you'd hear yourself right up to the moment you messed up in like three seconds. He's just, he just punch keeping you, you going. On, yeah. on each word. No, nah, usually you could do half sentences or half paragraphs. Not that's usually crazy. words. I wouldn't punch a word in. Yeah. But you do get caught in a word. Like, Can I get a word in? A word that you had written. Yeah. You know, um, and... It, it it just suddenly you can't. Were you reading yourself going, this is too verbose. I am. <laughs> Who is this guy? What is wrong with this guy? No, I- <laughs> Extemporaneous. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> okay. All right. No, but Reggie would say that occasionally. Oh, sure. He would yeah. be reading stuff that we had written together and he'd be like. Because I'm his writer. Yeah, can't you just say this in plain language? He'd be like, man, come on, me? man. He'd like, he, you know, he'd That's yell great. Um but <laughs> That's his book. Come on, man. But you get, but you get a. Follow-up book. You get a. Uh, we do this in studio music wise yeah. if it gets in your head yeah if something gets in your head it's hard to get past it even if it's simple so the word for me that yeah, it's I like would, trying to climb downstairs and you start thinking about oh and you'll fall every down the time steps. you'll fall down the steps yeah just don't <laughs> don't think about it i begin to not be able to say my v's especially oh, in the word conservative i don't know i'd you read said conservative yeah i would say conservative I mean, it would almost come off like with a b Oh, my mouth will get dry. I was trying to get through it. I've been reading supposedly four, four hours straight, and when you say conservative, yeah, so many times it was like, oh man, I can't, I can't say the V's anymore. So I'd take a drink, and then they had this tea. I have it over here. It's called throat coat. Okay, I've yeah. heard of throat coat. Yeah, yeah. it's got a, it's got a, a an herb in it called slippery elm. Mm. Yeah. So that really helped, actually. It's supposed to dry up mucus and stuff. So I right. did that on the third, fourth day. But So was- I was thinking of uh, our studio days with Travis Wyrick when we did our last CD, and he told this story about the sensitivity of the mics. He said this band was in. Remember this? So this band was in. Oh, yeah. And <laughs> one's in the booth way in the other end, and he's arguing with the other guy. They're getting ready to close the door, and he's going to record his vocals. And he's like... This solo is stupid. Like, what? what is he even doing? This is crap. I'm not, I don't want to do this. All right, I'll do it. I'll do it. And then Travis has to get on like the, the mic because they're all listening in the thing. <laughs> the other part of the band was yeah. there. He's like, that's a $10,000 mic, you guys. We heard you. <laughs> it's just like, if you're going to talk crap about each other, you know, oh my you need to go outside. It's a $10,000 mic. <laughs> it's just so great. Bands breaking up because your mics are too oh, good. Oh, man. Wow. <laughs> yeah. No, we didn't have any of that. We, 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 uh, it was, it was fun. It was long though. Like I read. It's a work day. I read seven hours on Monday. I mean, it's a very privileged thing to say like that was my work day, but it is a work day. You, you, no, it was, yeah. you, you sat in a room and read all day it's a skill that people do professionally right of course um 
But do you think there's a difference between how you sounded at the end of the day? Like, was there Absolutely. diminishing returns? Is that yeah. going to be evident in the book? Though? Um, he even so he would stop me. He'd go, "Okay, that last one. You're starting to get. You're starting to get gravelly. Oh yeah." Take a drink. You vocal know, fry. Yeah. Which probably ex- people experience listening to the podcast, too. I'm sure we've got vocal fry issues and well, I mean, graveliness. And yeah, but. This is, early, this is earlier than we normally record, so this will be a little bit more. Yeah, I'm I've got more bass in my voice. Yeah. Yeah. But it's a, the deal is, though, there's no, it's not a product. Right. That, like a, a, an audiobook is a thing. Like these guys sit and do this all day. It has to have a certain quality. Harper mm-hmm. Collins demands a certain quality. It's going to have a an editor. Like it's very much, you know, there's a there's a um, expectation of what it sounds like. And so they, he would say, even at the end, he goes, "I, hey, dude, I think we need to be done for today. Your voice is, you hear it now. If I was getting like this, yeah, he would go. tell you to take, yeah. And then he'd say, but I want you to give me this last paragraph. Uh-huh. Like try to. It was very funny actually. You'd laugh. Try to like bring the energy back for this, so that when I, when I start the next one tomorrow, it won't be so obvious. Oh you know, right, that, that we t- t- trailed off, and then the next paragraph, all of a sudden, you're, you're back, fresh you know, as the daisy. You know, yeah. yeah. So I did. I was like, so anyway, and then I got up real high. He goes, "Okay, I feel like your voice went higher, not stronger." Uh-huh. I was like, well, that was my goal. I was trying to get up out of the. You know, if I'm singing, that's the thing. If I get higher, uh, okay, everybody. That's <laughs> terrible. <with> the frog. <laughs> I remember, tra- I didn't know anything about that. Travis was trying to coach me on vocals, and he would walk over to the booth before. I- now, when you're singing this verse, I want you to be like, imagine you're like in a nice little lounge, and you're smoking a cigarette. Like, he would say things like that. Like, I don't want gravelly Johnny. Yeah. I want this Johnny. Wouldn't a cigarette make you gravelly? I don't know. That's what he said. I, I have never smoked a cigarette, so I was just like, I don't know concept. I don't know what to do with this. I think he meant like just be cool, you know, like. Drape yourself across the piano? Exactly. Right. That's, that's <laughs> the fabulous weird. Baker boys. Yeah. <laughs> it's just weird, and but it worked. Cause he knew what he was saying. Like, I think he knew how to get the best performance out of me. Yeah. Somehow. He even talked about people who, who would come in, who would come in like, uh, I can't remember who he would say in particular. But he would say, some people, I'm more aggressive with coaching because they work better when they're a little bit irritated with me. Huh. Like maybe if it's a rock vocal. Yeah. And they're like, all right, I, do we need to take a break? Because <laughs> that was bad. <laughs> and let's do one more, I guess. And then he knew that that was going to be the one. Wow. Because he had done that. It's not like you choked up like that. No, no. I just got, <laughs> I just got a little throat. He knew. He knew, guys. <laughs> I don't know how he knew. <laughs> no, it it's was just a very my, emotional show. That was just me going into puberty again, evidently. <laughs> it was just the line you said, though. He knew. <laughs> that would be the one. He knew, you guys. I don't know how he knew. And then they killed old Yeller. I can't. Uh, I'm going to be laughing for a while. After anyway. Uh, oh, man. But yeah, there's a way to coach. You know, it's like a coach. Uh, you know, you're dealing with this. Your daughter's in volleyball. You got to know a player who you need to be sensitive with. You got to know a player you need to be tougher on yeah. to get the best out of them. And like sometimes it's different on different days for different players. We'll see. I can if, only imagine coaching teenage girls. We'll see if Dane and Evan both boys. listen. But when I used to coach their human video teams, yeah. like you had to coach Dane differently than Evan. Oh yeah, yeah. Like it's a, um, and they both were strong, really, really strong. And you, but you could, you could tank Evan. Because Evans, Evans, my friend, who you know, he just he wants to be always 
in a good spot, and that's kind of, that's how I'm built. I, if you coach me hard, I'm the first one to be like, yeah. So yeah, if if, if I need him to do something different, mm-hmm. sometimes you could be so, hey man, again, again, and he, and you're discouraging him. Yeah, and you're like, hey, because <laughs> you're saying you got that wrong. Right. It's like know. one more strike against you every right. time you got it wrong. But Dane, I was just like, you know, dude, you suck. No, I'm just kidding. I'm yeah. never telling that. You beat him down. But I mean, it, no, it, with 13 year old girls, I, I don't. Um, I did I did assistant coach one team in volleyball. Yeah, and it was a. I never wanted to get the unless they start mistreating each other. I think that's a real time to go. Hey, listen, you can't yeah. you can't do that. Like, no, you're going to go run or whatever. But I don't see a lot of need. I guess some some athletes do respond well. You know, to what do you think I am, John? How would you coach me, Johnny? If I was coaching you, <laughs> I've been coaching you, and it's getting old. It's not working. Um... <laughs> you're not easily manipulated, and it really bothers me. Do you think coaching is manipulation? Oh, wow. Yeah, come on, man. Let's start this therapy let's, let's, sesh. <laughs> let's unpack that, Johnny. How do you How do you feel? John, um, I don't know what I think. I think, uh, no, co- I think coaching is not manipulation necessarily, but it's, no, it's not a bad manipulation, but you're definitely trying to get a result with your words. You're saying like, All right, what's the right way to approach this to get this person to give me the best that they can? Right. So in the pure sense of it, it's manipulation because you're manipulating the result. You're but it's to, requested manipulation. It's, yeah, I'm allowing – yeah, you're allowing yeah, that person I want in. to be better. So yeah. I was listening to some true. defensive linemen for That's Tennessee who were playing for a coach named Rodney Garney, Rodney Garner. I think it's his name. Anyway, he's known – they would say, hey, how is it, how is it you know, being coached by him? And they would go, oh, he's so tough, but it's exactly what I need. Yeah. Like he's he wants me to be the best I can be. Right. So it, somehow they had taken the – they're getting obviously some tough coaching – but they they have bought into the idea that that coach not only is doing it so that the team will win, but that they're making me a better player. If that's what it takes, then I welcome that, which I thought was interesting. Like, yeah. OK, so you're not you're basically I mean, it's hard for someone. I'm sure if your person I was thinking it's funny we talk about this because I was thinking, what if your personality, though, is one of those people that really gets discouraged? Yeah. When somebody just screams in your face. Like, how did you get to the place where you go, OK, this is for my good, you know? Yeah. You're right, though, because like when I took a writing class, I'd been doing comedy for like a year and a half and I was getting work and thought I was OK at comedy. But I also knew enough to know there's a lot of people that know a lot of short, sh- not shortcuts. They know some obstacles and how to avoid those obstacles. Yeah. And I knew I needed some coaching. And so when I knew there was a writing class, my buddy Rick Roberts uh who's a dear friend now, but he taught a writing class and I saw him do a show and he killed at the show. And I was like, okay, he's the one who teaches that class. So I wanted to take the class immediately. Once you see somebody do their thing, you're like, oh, it just lends to the, and he taught me so many things about what I was doing, but it was cool because the reason I liked it was it wasn't just, here's everything you're doing wrong and here's how to fix it. It was, I learned why some of the stuff I was doing was working and how to replicate it. Yeah. So it wasn't just negative. There mm-hmm. was a pot. There was a lot of positives. Like, and I would walk away going, that's why that works. Cause I was just doing it on instinct and going, cause if you're funny, sometimes it's just instinct and you're like, you don't ever know, which is good. And there's a time for that raw instinctual talent. Right. But sometimes if you need to make like an hour of something, and you only have five minutes of something. Yeah. You need to know how you did the five minutes. And I didn't know that. Yeah. And so he taught me that. 
So it's huge. But yeah, I had to open myself up to that coaching. So you're right. It's it's like manipulation that you're allowing to happen. I give you permission to make me better than I am, and I'm not going to call it like uh, you know criticism, criticism or yeah. whatever. I'm going to call it what it is, which is coaching. Yeah. Interesting. I don't know. We know in, in the medical field, manipulation, if you manipulate someone's shoulder that's out of socket, it's not a negative thing. You're just putting it. It just literally means to move something this back sounds into like place. A, this sounds like a sermon illustration mm. for a manipulative pastor to use. <laughs> Guys, am I being manipulative? Yes. That means in I'm... the best sense. You're out of socket <laughs> and you're allowing me to pop this back in. Now let's pass the plate one more again to y'all get it right. Does it hurt? Sure it does. <laughs> am I being mean? Sure I am. Is it for your good? Maybe not. Am I a doctor? That's for you to decide. But yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. Well, listener, thank you for uh, spending some time with us today. No manipulation. Man- man- no manipulation. He knew, he knew John. <laughs> We <laughs> no manipulation has happened no. in the uh, presence of this podcast. Uh, we are being as authentic as possible, mm-hmm. and we are so glad that you spend your time with us. And those of you who have written us emails, uh, often we read those on the mail on the air on the or mail. on the mail. <laughs> Words put together make sentences. Um, and so, hey, send us those comments or questions, things you uh, have resonated with or things you'd like to hear us talk about. We'd love to. You could also head over to our website if you'd like. Talk about that podcast.com. Mm. All the episodes are archived there, 172-ish. Ish. Yeah. So binge away on your yeah. trip to Florida. Absolutely. Or from Florida if you're fleeing, yeah. which some people are. Who knows? Uh, yeah. We'd uh, we'd love to be a part of your uh, journeys and yeah. your long flights and such. Absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, share it with a friend. That makes a big difference. And leave us a good review. A five-star review would be preferable. And uh, say some nice things about the podcast if you've enjoyed it. And if you haven't, say some nice things anyway. Yeah. Just, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Because you know they say, if you can't say something nice, don't say anything at all. I say, if you can't say something nice, say something nice anyway. Yeah. Yeah. If you can't say something nice, you're probably on YouTube. Um... <laughs> uh, you might not be a very nice person. Yeah, I don't you know. Be, there's all kinds of options, really. Yeah, let's control our negativity. <laughs> hey, guys, we appreciate you spending the time with us on this Monday. We'll see you next Monday on Talk About That. Finding uplifting news in today's headlines is often like searching for a needle in a haystack. At the Story Behind podcast, we believe in the power of finding heartwarming tales and are happy to share empowering stories with you every week. Hear about how Steve Harvey surprised a dying man on Family Feud with $25,000. Get inspired by the note a waitress received from a patron dining alone. And even hear about how one VIP passenger made a hard-working pilot get emotional before his flight. To start listening to the Story Behind podcast, visit lifeaudio.com or search Story Behind on your favorite podcast platform.